once we were convinced that Druidus was not, in fact, a spy sent to kill us all, we welcomed her to join us around the campfire. I felt slightly apologetic for nearly killing her, so I offered her part of my rations in recompense. She accepted, and I proceeded to go into what Sam affectionately refers to as my recluse mode. I've never been overly fond of people, and more than anything, I wanted to move on from that cave. She told us enough of her story to satisfy my curiosity, but not enough to where I trusted her entirely. Then again, at that time, there was one person I trusted completely, and if anyone dared insinuate such a thing, I'd have gone for a gut punch before breaking their nose. I've never been much of a people person, if you can't tell. Even with the peace, I prefer to keep to myself as opposed to surrounding myself with the hustle and bustle. But here I am getting ahead of myself again. Once we settled in for the night, the druidist asked us what our plans were now that the war was to begin again. There were a few options we could choose. We could join a settlement as they moved to their next location. There would be greater protection from creatures that roamed the woods, but it would also make us a bigger target for some of the more unscrupulous generals. We could cover more ground on our own, but we would need a destination. There were a handful of places that Sam and I knew of outside of the forest where others had gone to be free of the fighting. Some were mere rumors, but a few we had gathered enough information on to be certain they actually existed. Finding them would be tricky, but there would be others heading there as well we might run into. There was one in particular Sam was interested in finding one day. An underground city hidden deep within the desert, where all who sought refuge were welcome. It would be a very, very long trek, but Sam made a good argument for why we should go there. Because according to rumors, that's where most of the changelings went. James was quiet during his conversation, which was odd, but I chalked it up to the reality of the situation settling in over his shoulders. I don't think he had seen anything like that before. He struck me as someone who was rather sheltered for most of his life until the day came when the military noticed his ancestry and forced him to become a spy. Now he was getting a taste of what war really looked like. Whether he chose to stay with us or go running back home, I honestly didn't care as long as he didn't get in my way. If he turned on us, I'd make sure he lived to regret it. The druidess was also quiet, more intent on watching than contributing. She was a curious one, that's for sure. Full of secrets she had no intention of sharing, possibly ever. I couldn't blame her, but it certainly didn't help me trust her any more than I already did. I trusted her to not try and shank or rob me in my sleep, not that she could get away with it if she tried. There's safety in numbers, and sometimes you have to make friends with some strange individuals to survive this world. I didn't need to know everything about her in order to work alongside her. But then she asked a question. 
It was an innocent question, one that fit within the philosophy of our previous discussion, the one she interrupted. But something in how she asked it left me wondering if perhaps there was a motive behind that question. What would you give to bring it into the war? What would you be willing to lose? What would you sacrifice? None of us knew how to answer that at first. We talked around it for a while, speaking mostly in hypotheticals until we were too tired to continue. Then one by one we drifted off. I took the first watch. Those words echoed in my head as I tried to decide what exactly I would give to see a world I could hardly comprehend. The question became so big it followed me into my dreams. We left that morning and went to the nearest settlement, only to find it half deserted. Word had begun to spread soon after the fighting started, and while the storm slowed them down, they were ready for something like this to happen. It was part of life between the kingdoms. Make the most of peace and be ready to move should war come your way. Sam and I immediately started helping with the last pieces of preparation. Arranging supplies and tearing down the last buildings. James helped too, while the druid is sought to the packaging of all their medical supplies. Found the work helpful to get my mind off of what was to come. I was torn between disappointment that the peace was shattered and disbelief that I ever thought it would last in the first place. The two kingdoms would not stop until one was left standing, damn the consequences. With their help, the rest of the settlement was packed up and ready to leave on her long journey before nightfall. I saw the leader of the group fretting about something, so I asked her what was wrong. Their settlement had a runner of its own who would travel regularly to neighboring settlements, carrying communications as well as small amounts of trade goods. She expected him to be there by now, but sometimes his travel was slowed by military movements or detouring around obstacles. With the routes he would take and where he was coming from, it was entirely possible that he did not know what was going on. I offered to stay on the site until midday the following day to catch him and get him going in the right direction. The relief on her face was evident and she tried to offer me some kind of reward, but I refused. We denizens of the in-between need to stick together if we want to outlive this war, I joked. It was not a major loss of time compared to how quickly our group would be able to travel, and it would give us more time to scavenge for supplies. So we stayed behind, and they continued on. There's something surreal about coming through a space that once held so much life, now empty save the bits and pieces that were left behind. Back then... Memories were more tied to people than places because you never knew when you would be forced to leave a space never to see it again. Or sometimes, that place would be destroyed by the war, leaving you nothing to go back to. The people who lived here must have known we would be scavenging because they left things behind for us to find. Dried rations, water skins, extra clothing 
some medical supplies. They even left us a tent. When I looked at all we had gathered and saw the tent, the generosity of it all slammed into me. While these may have been excess supplies to them, they would be invaluable to us in the coming months. Trade would be nearly impossible with everyone moving, and since we were not going to be traveling with any large groups, we needed all the help we could get. James and I set up the tent while the druids collected some firewood and Sam went hunting. The druidists had already collected many plants and berries and other edible things to add to our growing stash of food. As we settled in for the night, I found it easier to forget about what was coming. Yes, the following weeks would be difficult, but for today, we were secure, well-provisioned, and we had a plan for what we were going to do next. I could relax, if only for a while. The druidist asked why I was so willing to lose a day to help these people I hardly knew. In light of what was coming, it would have made more sense for us to keep on moving. She wanted to know why we agreed to stay and wait. I was caught off guard by this question, because she had not said a word while we were working, though she had her chances. So, I explained it to her. How we all had to stick together and take care of each other if we wanted to survive. It didn't matter if I got or paid for my good deeds, because one day that person would pay it forward. Something good would come from my help, and at the very least, it helped one person. The world was too dark of a place for me to be selfish. I'm not sure what she was looking for with the question, but she seemed satisfied. The conversation shifted to survival tactics and how we would be proceeding in the following days. It was an otherwise uneventful night. We took overlapping watches and took time packing our supplies the next morning. The messenger arrived a little before noon and he was confused at first until we explained what was going on. Then he thanked us and set off after the settlement, and we set off towards the desert. That is, until the druidist requested a detour. You have been listening to Ceasefire, the story of the end of a war that did not end the world. This story was written and produced by Brianna Jean as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time. In this episode, you can hear the voices of Brianna Jean as Vivian. You can support all of our productions over at patreon.com pseudonymsocial. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.com. <laughs>